Hello and welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. We are studying in the book of Jonah and this is uh, our second lesson if you're following along. So we left off last time chapter 1 verse 3 as far as we got and we'll do a little review uh, and then we'll get right into this. So I'm excited about Jonah. I think it's such an exciting story and I guess I'm you know pretty vested in it. The, the account of this man and his relationship with God and seeing how God used him and worked through his life is an encouragement to me because uh, I see that I have the same kind of shortcomings of these prophets. And you read Isaiah, you read Ezekiel, and you think, wow, these were just great individuals. But Jonah here is revealing that these are just men. There were men, they were used by God, uh, and that's uh, an encouragement to me as I know that there's no way that uh, I could accomplish uh, the kind of things that they accomplished apart from the grace of God. And it shows what he can do in our lives if we just yield ourselves to his will and walk by faith. So it's encouraging to me to kind of get this peek into the everyday life of one of God's prophets. And I think that's what the book of Jonah, part of what it does for us. So the last time we saw where God had called out to Jonah and said, hey, Jonah, I want you to go and minister to the Ninevites. Uh, their sin has come up to me, their wickedness, and I want you to go witness against them. But uh, we saw the reaction of Jonah to this call was that he rebelled against this call and went the opposite direction. We also know that there was some conversation between him and the Lord about Nineveh and his uh, not wanting to go minister to them. And uh, we saw a little of that last time and that his motivation was that he didn't want the grace of God to be extended to these people. We talked about the Ninevites and how that they were a very wicked and cruel people and that he probably had experienced some of that cruelty himself. So that um, was a good portion of why he didn't want God's grace to be extended to them. He wanted them to be just judged and destroyed and taken off of the board altogether. But God had a different plan for Jonah and he has different plans for Nineveh. And we have to understand that from our perspective, we may have things that we want or direction we want to go in, but uh, it's important that we yield to the wisdom and knowledge of God. He knows what he's doing. He's driving. We're not. And we have to yield to him. And that's the overarching message. That's the plan and purpose of God for our lives. Um, if you want to know what God's ultimate purpose is for having you to be on this earth, having you to grow in grace, it's because he's teaching you to yield to him. Once we get to the point where we have reached a point to where we're completely yielded to him, that's when he takes us home. That's when we're done. So I'm not there. I'm very far away from that, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord, but I exhort you, I exhort myself. We, we need to yield to him completely. So Jonah was clearly not yielding. He was doing just the opposite. 
And that's where we pick up. Jonah has, uh, instead of going north to Nineveh, he's gone south to Tarshish. He found a ship in Joppa that would take him to Tarshish. He jumped on that ship and he went down in that ship. And his, his intent and his goal is to get as far away from God as possible because he's angry. He's, he's like a spoiled child. I alluded to that last time. He's mad. Like, I can't believe you would ask me to do this, to go minister to these people, because I hate these people. And he's mad at God. He's mad at God that he would even, he would even think of offering grace to these Gentiles, these evil Gentiles that have done so much harm to so many people. And so it causes a rift between him and the Lord. Now, we have to understand that the rift is on Jonah's part. God is not angry. He's not upset. He sees a need in Jonah. He sees that Jonah has um, a need for growth and for understanding. And we have to understand that God is very intimately aware of our needs and he has orchestrated the events of the universe to address those needs. That's how concerned he is for us. So we should at least be as concerned about what his will is for us. So here we see God orchestrating um, the events and circumstances, utilizing his power, his purpose to address this need in Jonah, because Jonah had the most pressing need, if you ask me, even beyond the Ninevites. Uh, Jonah had the relationship with God, and Jonah needed to learn something, and God is going to teach him, and prayerfully he'll teach us some things as we study this. So we pick up in verse 4 of chapter 1 in the book of Jonah. I'm reading from the King James Version. But the Lord, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. So here we are. Jonah's found the ship. He went into the bottom of the ship as far away as he can get from God. That's his intent. And while he's on the ship, we see the Lord created circumstances. For Jonah's benefit. In verse 4, like I said, I'm going to read again. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Verse 5, then the mariners, the people who were driving the ship, the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lightning of them. But Jonah was going down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So <laughs> this is the situation. I'm sorry I laugh because, you know, it's amazing to see how God works. So Jonah went into the ship and God causes immediately this great wind to come up and this storm. And uh, to the point that the ship was about to be broken into pieces. It was just that that you know severe um, please notice the resources at God's disposal to accomplish his purpose you know that's what we don't realize God has 
a universe of resources at his disposal to accomplish his will. Uh, we often take for granted that everything is God's and we don't understand that, you know, it all belongs to him. And through Christ, we're told by the Apostle Paul that everything is ours. It's important for us not to pass by this verse and not meditate a bit upon the the power and the, the greatness of God that he has these resources. He, he controls the wind. He controls the sea. And he can, you know, have the sea do whatever he wants at any time. And that through Christ, we have the same access to this is the God that we have to do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to remember that and not allow the circumstances are surrounding us to make us forget that. You know, we can't look at the, 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 the wind and the sea and forget who's in control of those things. It's very important for us to understand that he's always in control of those things and that through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have his love and his grace. That's the message. And uh, when Paul sends a letter in the, to the churches in the New Testament, he says, um, it always starts off with grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we have. We have this grace and this peace. And so we have to be careful not to look at the circumstances and allow them to frighten us. Uh, we have to understand that the Lord sent this wind out. And that's what it says. And that, you know, he loves us and he's going to care for us. And he has a purpose for everything he does. Um, very important. So here we see the Lord intimately involved with the circumstances of Jonah's life. Uh, Jonah has, from his perspective, chosen a path to satisfy, satisfy his own desires. That's what Jonah's trying to do. I want to get as far away from God as possible. I don't want to do what he tells me to do. Jonah decides that he's going to take that path. But God has, in this account, kind of peeled back the divine curtain to allow us to see just one instance of his personal and direct involvement in the life of his child, Jonah. God is sovereignly controlling the circumstances with power and grace to force the direction of his purpose forward. And that's what he's doing all the time. The power of God is seen in the tempest. You know, he brought this storm. But don't miss the grace of God in holding the ship together, even though it was at the brink of destruction. It's important that we, we really meditate on these things because we'll, I think we'll see a lot, a lot of things about the, the grace and the power of God and his purpose in our lives. In verse five, uh, it says, the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. So naturally, these mariners, these um, sailors, they were terrified. This tempest came out of nowhere and it was severe. It was severe to where these seasoned sailors were terrified. Um, there's a kind of fear that overtakes the mind and the body that causes a man to really um, 
in a sense, cast overboard the rationalizations of sin. Because so we do, we rationalize sin and we come with all these, come up with all these ideas to uh, rationalize why sin is okay. But there's a fear there. God creates situations that causes the heart to race and the body to tremble. And all of that goes out the door, right? All of those rationalizations mean nothing. Um, Man has a way of doing what I call kind of a self-speak to dismiss the evidence of God as revealed in creation. But when situations like this come up, like that these mariners were experiencing, all that goes out the window. Man doesn't want a natural man, does not want to acknowledge the true and living God. We know that because that would place the guilt of sin squarely upon man. And the righteous judgment of God is the only thing that's left. Like we know that our sin requires judgment because God is righteous and the God of the Bible is presented that way. And so we can't rationalize that away. And once we're faced with our sin, the only thing that's left are the consequences of it. So mankind seeks anything the world, the flesh and the devil offers to distract him from this truth. That's the way of mankind. That's how we roll. God always has a witness to, to counter this, right? When God wants to counter this foolishness, he brings forth a witness, a testimony of his power, of his person, of his strength. That could be in the form of a Jonah. That could be in the form of a you or a me. Uh, God has a way of doing that. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Romans 1.20. So God always has a witness and a testimony of himself to some degree. Uh, and he's able to adjust that witness uh, and turn it up to whatever level he wants. Just like he was able to adjust the wind and the sea and the temp create this tempest. Uh, they created this situation where these mariners were clearly afraid. And it says they cried every man unto his God. Uh, Cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. So that was the situation. We see the circumstances. God has created these circumstances. And don't lose sight of the fact that the same thing is true in our lives. God creates circumstances. He creates the circumstances that give us an opportunity to trust him and walk in faith or either to do like Jonah and do the opposite. Right. Those are our only two options. And it's important that we learn to trust him. And when we see these circumstances, when we see things around us looking you know, like it's not going to turn out so good. We start playing this game called what if. And if you play what if, you're going to lose every time. So don't play it. Don't play what if. Um, praise the Lord. When you see situations that are adversarial against you, start praising him. Just as a practice. Praise him because you know the outcome is going to glorify him, regardless of what that is. Now, you don't know what that outcome is going to be. I don't. You don't. Only the Lord knows. But if you praise him when you see things uh, go in that direction, 
then at least you know you'll be doing the right thing. And it's a comfort. So God is able to make circumstances so striking, so perilous, that men will abandon any security found in philosophy or the foolishness that's a part of man and sin, and they'll seek God. Um, God, this is one of those situations. Now, these men, it said that every man, uh, the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. Now think about it. These are mariners. So most likely, we know they didn't worship the true and living God. So most likely they worship gods that were sea-based, you know, based on the ocean and the seas. And there's a lot of, you know, uh, idolatry associated with the seas. And, and these men uh, were on the sea for quite a long time. So the other mariners would, you know, join, meet them and they talk about their experiences and they say, hey, well, you know, this God helped me out of this or I have a, you know, I worship this deity. Poseidon was uh, one of the gods of the ocean that the Greeks worship. So this this was pretty common. And so these men were desperate. So they they're like, hey, you know, we got to call out to our gods to help us. And that's what they did. That was their intent. So that lets you know kind of the perilousness of the situation. Um, I think here we see one of the, the divine circumstances that God is able to uh, bring a bring about that um, that teach men kind of what it is that he wants them to know. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life, but I certainly have to where you're in a situation and I think uh, my old pastor used to call it foxhole praying. You know, you get in a foxhole and bombs are going off all around you. God get me out of this and you know, I'll give up drinking or I won't smoke anymore or whatever. That's kind of the best that man can do. Right. And that's kind of the situation that these men were in. Um, uh, it's it's the tragedy of sin, I think, is that it has like this merciless grip upon mankind. Um, even in an hour of desperation, these mariners uh, and anyone who's unsaved being tossed about, you know, left, you know, back and forth in the sea and they're in a life and death situ situation. But the only thing they can do is reach out to these false gods, their own gods that they've created in their mind. These are, are the gods that they've created to suit their own desires and to accommodate their own beliefs. Unfortunately, as we'll see through this account, these gods are powerless. Um, it's never so evident as in this time of need. You know, these gods that we create in our minds, they have no power. They have no ability. They are just a psychological crutch that uh, they don't exist. Paul calls them nothings. You know, the Bible calls them nothings because that's what they are. And these men, that's all they have to call out to. And it's really tragic when you really look at it from that perspective. And you know that right now, throughout the world, there are people in situations that are dire. And they don't know the Lord Jesus. And they have nothing or they have no one to help them 
other than these gods that they've created. And that's exactly what we're seeing here played out in verse five as these men cry every man unto his God. So we see each one had a different God and they're like, hey, you know, if mine's not working, maybe yours will. And that's kind of the attitude that um, that we see here, that every man cried unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. So the picture is, is that this storm is really bad and it's about to break the ship apart. So what they want to do is make the ship as light as possible so that the jostling of the things that are on the ship don't, you know, hit the side of the ship and cause a hole in it and the water starts coming in or whatever. And to make the ship as light as possible so that it's able to take this jostling, um, you know, which shows that, you know, these were experienced sailors. They weren't like just some people on a boat. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly what needed to be done to get through situations like this. They had been in these situations before. So they started uh, throwing the cargo overboard, you know, unless you think that, you know, by saying that they called out to these false gods that I'm commenting on their intelligence or skill uh, in a negative way, uh, please note that these were experienced mariners. Uh, they were smart people. They had intelligence. Um, they used logic to determine that the throwing of the luggage, the luggage and the cargo overboard, uh, that it would make give them a better chance of surviving the storm. These were intelligent men. The mariners were experienced and logical men um, who knew that uh, this situation called for extreme action. They knew what to do in order to give themselves the best odds for survival. So intelligence or skill has nothing to do with the fact that they were calling on these different gods. So there's no link between uh, knowing God and intelligence. People think, well, you know, people who are not very smart, they have a uh, simple worldview. So they tend to you know, believe in God. Well, the truth is, is that uh, some of the most intelligent people that have ever lived have been Christians. And so there's no link between intelligence and believing. Believing is an act of God and his grace and he's extended grace unto a person to believe. And it's in spite of their social status, their intelligence or anything else says God will choose who God chooses. He, he gives grace to whom he gives grace. So it's important for us to see that so that people don't make that assumption. Um, so they were experienced men. They, they, they use logic to, to um, try to save themselves from this situation. Um, they knew what they needed to do to... Um, put themselves in the best possible situation. The tragedy here is the tragedy of sin. Uh, has nothing to do with intelligence. The tragedy of sin is that you can be very intelligent. You can be very experienced. You can be very talented. Yet still, none of these attributes will bring you before God or give you access to the knowledge 
that's needed uh, to be saved. None of these things help us when it comes to our relationship to God. God does not look at a person's ability. He looks at a person's heart and he judges based on the heart. And we all have an evil heart because of sin. We're born into sin, the Bible says. And our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So these men needed salvation, not only from the storm, but also from the, the ignorance and the blindness, the darkness and the death that, of sin. So this, this situation that God has created is kind of a twofold situation. Not only do we see the circumstances that would lead to their immediate physical death, but we also see actions that um, depict the spiritual death that had already taken them and that they, every man would cry unto his God. The futility of the situation is, I think, the biggest message to see how futile it was, that they had no hope, that they were in this terrible situation and they were hopeless. And that's a message I think that the Lord wants to get across to us, that that's the state of every unsaved person. And God is trying to, through this account, I believe, communicate to us that these people have a need and that they're lost. And that we, by the grace of God, have been delivered from this same situation. That this is the situation of our lives before that we were saved. We were in a perilous, dangerous state. And we had no hope. There was nothing that we could do. No one that we could call on that could deliver us. None of the gods that we've created. The gods and the religions that men have created. And there's tons of them. You know, take your pick. There's all kind of religions. There's all kind of uh, different philosophies that you can follow. But the, none of those will give you access to salvation. And that's the sad part. And to be able to, to know that, to be on this side of grace and to see on that side should cause us to have a, a great, sen a great uh, sense of empathy for, for those people in their state. And I think that's what God is trying to show us in this storm. So that's the situation. So the scene is, you know, truly dramatic and it creates in our imagination a scene of peril that we can almost feel like you can feel the peril that these men were facing. You know, you can imagine being in this ship and uh, being so desperate that you would throw the cargo overboard. And I'm sure that cargo was very valuable to them. There's a purpose like ships were used the way that we use trucks now on the road. We pull them, we fill them with cargo and they take that cargo from one place to another, those loads. And it's how that we get uh, product from one place to another. And it's usually very valuable. That's why they have somebody um, take it from one place to another securely. So that's what was happening. But this scene is so bad. It's so dangerous that they're like, throw that stuff overboard. Throw that overboard. We just want to, we want to live. We don't care about this stuff anymore. And when you're in a situation where your life is in danger, you don't think about stuff. You know, when somebody has a gun pointed to your head, you don't think about 
wow, I'm going to miss my car. I just bought that car. And I haven't really gotten to enjoy it very often. When you're in these types of situations, you think about survival. And that's where these men are. And we see this, the desperate state that they're in. And, you know, like I said, this story of Jonah is intriguing. I mean, there's so much drama associated with it in, in this account. You can, it's like you're, you're there with them. Um, so we can see the, the peril associated with the, the circumstances that God has created just in bringing this great wind. And, and let's, let's not, you know, skip by the fact that God has created this situation. And, with, and look at the ease in which he was able to create these circumstances uh, so easily. Uh, that's how powerful our God is. So here these uh, mariners are trying to do whatever they can to survive. The ship's being tossed back and forth. And we see the dramatic efforts of the mariners to do whatever they can to survive this situation. So that's the scene that we had. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of uh, tense drama, life and death drama associated with what's going on. And that's what makes this next verse so interesting. Uh, it says, the mariners, verse 5, the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares. And we're in the ship uh, that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. And this next verse in chapter five, it says, but Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. Isn't that interesting? All the turmoil that's going around this man, all the drama that God had created while he was sleeping and he was able to sleep through it. You know, what's going on with Jonah? Uh, I think it's interesting the buts that we've seen so far. In, um, in the first three verses, uh, in verse three, it's, in verse one, it says that, you know, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And verse two, he told Jonah to rise and go to Nineveh. In verse three, we see but. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. So this is a book or a letter of contrast. Then again, we see um, here's a, the, another. Uh, then there's another but. It says that he went to Tarshish and in verse three to get from the presence of the Lord. In verse four, we see, but the Lord sent a great wind. So there's another contrast. And here we see the, the another contrast again where it says, you know, that these men were going nuts. They were doing everything they, everything they could do to survive. But Jonah was going down into the sides of the ship. And he was fast asleep. So we see all these contrasts. I think it's so interesting. So Jonah was asleep while all this was going on. He was asleep. How is that possible? How could Jonah not be experiencing the turmoil that was caused by the circumstances. Well, because God had protected Jonah from the circumstances. God had placed Jonah in a place where he would not be subject to the circumstances going around him. And it's interesting 
to meditate on that because that's what God does for his people. If you think about when um, the Hebrews were in Egypt and they were slaves and Moses came to deliver them and all these, these series of plagues that God um, plagued Egypt with, a series of just gross things. Uh, but the Hebrews who were in the land of Goshen were protected from those plagues. All the rest of Egypt experienced them, but the Hebrews didn't. God is able to do that. And when we have our eyes on him and we're in a place that he wants us to be, um, we're able to see that. When we take our eyes off of him and we do like Jonah and we rebel and we run away, we don't really appreciate this grace that we have. And we're more susceptible to the circumstances around us. But we see while Jonah was sleeping, right, God was protecting him from all the things that were going on. Jonah was experiencing, I believe, this privilege of grace that we have as believers. God was even in this turmoil blessing his beloved prophet with rest. And that's what we have. That's the access to God that we have. Jonah had figuratively entered into this restful peace of the Lord's care. So physically, literally, he was resting and figuratively, he was enjoying the relationship that only the Lord's people can enjoy. And I think the Lord is trying to show us that, to remind us that in spite of us, he continues to be faithful. It's not because Jonah was so good or he was doing the right thing or he was on the right path as far as obedience, but God's grace is greater than us in our sin. And that's what's so important to understand, that the grace of God is the only hope we have to be delivered from sin. And through his grace, he's able to do things for us, to us, and through us. And here we see how that even in spite of Jonah's rebellion and going the exact opposite direction that God told him, God still manifested grace to him. So we're fortunate to know this peace, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Because there's no way that you can understand how this man is able to sleep in this scenario. Well, that's a picture of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The Lord will preserve a place of rest for his people um, as the world around them tries to survive by hook or crook. The world does not understand this grace. They can't understand why someone would be able to have peace in turmoil. They look around and they see where the world is going and all the things that are happening. And they're like, you know, how can you have... How can you rejoice or how can you have any peace with everything that's going on? Even in your personal life, you know, all the stuff that's going on with you, how can you have peace? Why are you not just pulling your hair out? Well, it's because we have access to this peace and this, uh, this grace that God has extended to us. And I think this is just a picture of that. So notice how the, the prophet is resting you know, it's a miraculous type of rest, even as this tempest is going on around him. Uh, Jesus is the author of both scenarios. Jesus brought the tempest. 
Jesus also has the peace. Everything comes from him. And if we stay in that place and understand that, then we're going to experience more of that peace and that grace if we just keep our eyes on him. So we who are saved, we have this treasure. Uh, all we have to do to enjoy it is to walk by faith. Uh, we know that we know that Jonah was not walking by faith at this time, and we're going to see, I think, <laughs> that as we uh, get to the next verse. In the next verse, uh, we're going to see um, kind of the godless reaction to our peace, like the reaction of the godless to the peace that we're experiencing. But we're also going to see how the what happens when a believer, when one of God's people who gets to enjoy this kind of peace is uh, in rebellion. So in verse six, it says, so the shipmaster came to him, talking about the sleeping Jonah. The shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. So the shipmaster is in utter disbelief that Jonah is able to sleep, that he be sleeping in a time of such turmoil and peril. And I love what he says, uh, what meanest thou, O sleeper? <laughs> you know, that's just something about that. He's like, hey, you know, wake up. What do you... How are you able to sleep at this time? Why are you not contributing to the efforts that everybody is doing to try to survive? You're down here sleeping while we're all trying to keep everybody alive. So that's what he says. He says, what meanest thou, O sleeper? I really like that. So the shipmasters uh, in his panic is confounded by the prophet and his apparent lack of concern. Um, from the shipmaster's perspective, Jonah is crazy to sleep at a time like this. And we can we can understand that. Uh, I, I encourage you not to miss the sovereign message of God to Jonah. Because there's a message here in what the um, shipmaster is saying. Uh, a lot of times, you know, if we're sensitive to it, if we when God will put us in a place in circumstances where if we're aware, he speaks to us in a lot of different ways, not just through his word, primarily through his word, but uh, also he'll use other people. And if we're sensitive to it, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get the message. And God knows how to get that message to me, and he knows how to get it to you. And it's always going to be in light of his, his word. And that's what's happening here, I believe, with the shipmaster uh, to Jonah. I can hear the gentle message directed uh, to Jonah from the Lord through this man. Uh, the shipmaster urges Jonah to cry out to his, cry out to his God in hopes that they, they all might not perish. So this is God calling Jonah to wake up and to help these men because Jonah's the only one that can on this entire ship. He's the only one that has a relationship with the true and living God. And here God says, wake up, O sleeper. I have some work for you to do. And he's using the shipmaster um, as the one to bear that message. And and that's the thing. Um, God is able to 
to send us messages that are clearly from him and he can use any resource that he wants but it's always going to be the resource that has the greatest impact to us and he knows us so intimately he knows how to do that so see the message to Jonah as first when he was first called by God like let's let's examine this when he was first called by God he refused to go to deliver uh, this message to Nineveh. Now God has the shipmaster to wake him up from his sleep, the sleep of rebellion, and his refusal to acknowledge the will of God. Uh, the shipmaster is telling him to wake up, O sleeper. You know, you're in a place of rebellion. You're in a place to where you want to get as far away from God as possible. And God says, I'm still here. You need to wake up from this, this rebellion, this, this place of rebellion that you've chosen, this path of rebellion you've chosen. Uh, he says, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Like, you know, what are you doing? He says, arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Can you imagine the way these words must have resounded with Jonah? as he became increasingly more aware of the circumstances and the panic of the mariners. Like as he woke up and he realized what was going on and all the turmoil around him. And he was able to think about those words that the uh, shipmaster told him. The mariners were so perplexed by the situation and how it continued to get worse by the minute that they figured amongst themselves that there must be a cause for this, these supernatural circumstances of the storm. These were experienced mariners, so they, they knew this was not a normal storm. There was something very different about it. And to identify which of them was the reason for this calamity, they turned to the casting of lots. So, um, casting... Casting of lots is just another way of identifying and recognizing the sovereignty of God in this situation. Um, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. That's Proverbs 16.33. So that's what was going on. These men were like, look, we need to figure out what's going on. Why is this happening to us? What is the deal? So they came up with a plan in verse 7. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, I don't know about you, but this is thrilling to me to see how this is kind of uh, coming about, that this great storm, God causes this great storm. Jonah's asleep. These men are going nuts. They wake him up and just in time for them to cast lots to see, well, why is this happening? And can and, and notice the contrast here. These men are desperate to know what's going on. And the only one who knows is Jonah. And he's asleep. He's asleep. And the picture is, I think, uh, the application that we have to us today is that God has given us the, the wisdom, his word, his truth. And he wants, to sh he wants us to share that with others. But many of us are asleep. We're just walking through life and going through life, enjoying the grace and the peace that 
God has given us and we're not sharing it. We're not sharing it with a desperate, lost world around us who needs to hear the truth, who needs to know that the, the grace of the God of creation. And here we see that typified in the actions of Jonah. And these men are desperate. They want to know what, what's going on. Why is this happening? And God has caused situations to point directly to Jonah. And, and that happens with us. God has given us opportunities to minister. And, and if you just wait on him and you look to him, he will create a scenario and a situation that will point directly to you and give you a, an open door to be able to share the truth, to share um, your testimony and the things that God has done for you. Just, you know, keep your eyes on him and look for it. And even when you're in a place to where you're not thinking, well, I'm not looking to minister to anybody. I'm just looking to, you know, enjoy the grace of God and, you know, hopefully he'll come soon and get me out of here. Um, that's not what God's will is for us. He wants us to share his truth. Somebody had to minister the gospel for you to be able to know the Lord Jesus. Somebody had to be faithful to minister the gospel so that you could be saved. And why would you deny the next person that same blessing? It's important for us to, to see what the Lord is saying here in this uh, book of Jonah. So that's the situation for Jonah. You know, all these people are going nuts and they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So God has in his providential will caused the lot to fall on Jonah. This is more of a message to Jonah, I think, than to the men. Jonah needed to know that it's futile to disobey God and that trying to hide from the Lord's presence is a is foolish and it's as foolish as trying to cover your sin with fig leaves which we saw uh, Adam and Eve attempt in the garden the lot was a reminder to Jonah that he had in anger refused to obey God and and that lot was God saying all that happens next, all that's happening now is a direct message from me to you. God utilized all the resources um, needed to create this situation and to remind Jonah and to wake him up from his sleeping. <laughs> that's why he says, what meanest thou, O sleeper? You need to wake up. I got work for you to do. And it's foolish for you to think that you can disobey me and that you can run from me, that you can get away from me. It's, it's, um, it's like a dream, you know, you, it's not real. You can't do that. Wherever you go, Jonah, I'm there and my purposes will be fulfilled. They will be done. And it must've been jarring for Jonah to be awakened like this. But it seems so gentle in the way that the man said it. What meanest thou, O sleeper? You know, I feel like that that's the Lord speaking to us, speaking to Jonah, and encouraging us that 
you know, it's important for us to not get so comfortable and content in the peace of God that we don't share his, his grace. There's a purpose that we were saved and we were called and we need to know what that is. So next time we're going to take up, uh, start in verse 8. And hopefully we're going to see uh, the message of grace to Jonah through these men. That uh, God is going to use these circumstances and these men to, to say something to Jonah and to us. Let's close. Father, thank you for the letter and the book to uh, to Jonah of Jonah's account of this experience that he had with you and in his life and how that you're using this account to exhort us and encourage us to uh, wake up. I pray that we would wake up and that we would be active and utilize the gifts that you've given us to minister to the lost and dying world that we might be the conduit of your grace to others, even through ministering the gospel, and that we'd see the salvation of the souls of many. Um, we thank you, Father, for your grace and for this book of Jonah. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.